Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It is V the Growth Economist, and we are with CJ and Harley on another edition of Hanging with Harley. Harley Schlanger is a man who needs no introduction. He's the one and only one of the great brain trusts over at the LaRouche Foundation.com. LaRouche, I'm sorry, the LaRouche Organization.com, LaRouche Organization.com, and the Schiller Institute.com, the Schiller Institute.com. Uh, links are in the description box. Harley, there's a lot going on. I'm hearing rumors of dirty bombs and dirty socks and, 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 and you know, dirty Zelensky, minds, dirty minds and, and Zelensky worried about midterms. And my God, where do you well, want to begin? Let, let's start with the, the actual story on the dirty bomb question, because this gets right at the heart of how the West is trying to use the narrative to change reality at least in the minds of people. Mm. You know, Shoigu, the Russian defense minister, uh, was briefed over the weekend of uh, some intelligence that had been picked up by their intelligence units that they had been following for some time, which is that the Ukrainians were preparing a dirty bomb. And a dirty <clears throat> bomb is, is a normal explosive device that has nuclear material in it. So it's it's not a nuclear weapon, but it does unleash radiation. Now, Shoigu, uh, over the weekend, called Ben Wallace, the UK defense minister, uh, Austin, the, the US defense minister, uh, the French, the Turks, and a few others. Yeah. And then Ria Novosti, a leading Russian paper, put out a story on it. Now, immediately, what's the line from the West? Russia is going to launch a dirty bomb. Yeah, because the Russians don't have nuclear, sophisticated nuclear weapons that are a generation ahead of Americans. They need to use well, dirty bombs. Yeah, that makes it's total even, sense. It's even worse than that, V. It's that Russia's losing the war, so they're desperate. Oh, yeah, they're so desperate. Ukraine so, is unbelievable. Yeah, so as a result, the Russians are going to escalate. Now, what Shoigu said is that the tensions are increasing. The problem that would lead to the Ukrainians using a dirty bomb is that they're terrified that the West is going to abandon them. Yeah. Because of the, you look at the situation in the United Kingdom, you look at the results of the increasing sizes of demonstrations throughout Western Europe. You look at the midterms. You know, I, I find this most interesting because up to now, the Republicans in the United States have pretty much gone along with the Democrats on giving a complete blank check to Biden, you know, a hundred to nothing vote sure. in the Senate that Russia's a state sponsor of terrorism, uh, you know, a handful of people voting against these packages. Now, the word is starting to spread, though, 
that if Vance wins in Ohio, if uh, a couple of other races go to the Republicans so they control the Senate, and if they pick up the six houses, six seats in the House, then they're likely to put the brakes on unlimited funds to Ukraine. Now, that doesn't mean the Republicans are opposed to the war, but that they may be more skeptical. So what's the, the bigger story here? Well, the Democrats are preparing a $50 billion package to push through the lame duck, duck Congress after the November midterms if the Democrats lose. So that, in other words, they can use their majorities now to vote in another $50 billion. Now, the American people are not very excited about continuing to fund this war, especially with all the problems we face in the United States. So the story leaking out was, uh, it, it may actually shift the vote because there are polls that show that at least 50% of Republican voters are tired of this war. So here you have a situation with, uh, uh, this actually came up in the Atlantic Council, which is one of the leading think tanks of the Warhawks. Uh, if Britain is in economic trouble, will they continue to fully fund the war in Ukraine? Also, are the Brits about to uh, break with Brexit and try and get back in with the European Union, uh, especially with Sunak as the, the new prime minister? How long so, do you think Sunak is going to last? Do you think he'll break Liz Truss's record? Well, I don't think they'll let him break Liz Truss's record because that would be sexist. Oh, right. <laughs> so he'll be out in about 40 days. Well, what what the, the problem he's going to have is that his economic policies are not so different from what they already had. Yeah. Truss tried to put it on a fast track toward the ultimate neoliberal goal of, of completely deregulating everything and turning everything into a speculative casino. Sunak is a little more cautious, but he still is part of that same establishment. Oh, yeah. And it's the Bank of England that was largely responsible for pulling the plug on trusts and creating a circumstance where the Tories had to pick someone new. Now, Sunak is, is close buddies with Andrew Bailey of the Bank of England, and he comes through all the proper boarding schools and universities and and. Uh, City of London connections, one of the richest men in England, by the way, through his wife's family. So, you know, the, the idea that the chain, the British are going to change their policy is ri ridiculous. But what it means is it adds an element of uncertainty for Biden, for the, the United States, and also for Zelensky. I, I heard from uh, my sources in the German government today that Zelensky was frantically calling around, trying to make sure that everyone was staying on board. Yeah, yeah. Especially since in Germany now, there's a break with the coalition government, not an open break, mm -hmm. but the, 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 um, one of the leaders of the left in Germany and one of the leaders of the conservatives in Germany. The left is Sarah Wagenknecht from the Linkspartei, uh, the conservative is Marcus Soder, the minister president of Bavaria, who's the head of the Christian Social Union Party. The two of them are the most popular politicians in Germany right now, not Baerbach, not Schultz, not this moron Habeck. Yeah. And so 
what we're seeing is, and, and they're, when they asked the, the left supporters of Wagenknecht, if they couldn't support her, who would they support? They said Soder. They asked the Soder supporters, the so-called right-wing conservatives, if you couldn't vote for him, who would you vote for? And they said Wagenknecht, the leftist. So we're seeing a shift in Germany, which included tens of thousands of people in the streets over the weekend. Uh, Paris, they're expecting another big demonstration. I think in Italy, we're going to see an explosion soon because Maloney has just made the stupidest move she could make by basically calling in Mario Draghi to, oh, help, good. Yeah, to help her come up with a plan for the economy. He knows. Draghi's a very talented man. He's he, he's wrecked several economies, yeah. Well, he, he's, he, he's one of the most responsible for the disaster of the European Union as a whole. He's known as London's man in Italy. Why would Maloney call this idiot when there's so many other more talented individuals out there that could do a better job? Does that, does that, I mean, that to me screams that she's compromised. Well, Off the bat. Not, not only that she's compromised, but that they ran an operation over the last week against Berlusconi. Yeah, and I, I saw that. I, I saw her telling Berlusconi to shut up about Ukraine. Like, who the hell is this woman? Well, we, we don't know who she is exactly. Her pedigree is that she came from right-wing politics as a, as a young person. The problem is the left-right doesn't really work. No, doesn't. When you get into a crunch it's the same in idiots. Italy, well, when you get into a crunch in Italy, the question is, do you stick with the establishment, which is the European Union, which is the big money in Italy? And there are some really wealthy people in Italy, wealthy oligarchs. Uh, don't forget the Club of Rome was one of the leading forces in pushing through the original uh, zero growth depopulation plan. Uh, Aurelio Pache, the, the networks tied to uh, Fiat and uh, Alfa Romeo and so on. So you, not Fiat, I think Fiat is French, but anyway, the Italian auto. No, no, Fiat, uh, Fiat is Italian. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Agnelli, that's, owns, that's what yeah, I'm thinking of, the, the Agnelli interests. Yeah, Fiat owns uh, um, uh, Alfa Romeo, Ferrari, and Maserati. Yeah. They're all part of the Stellantis group. And, and that's connected to the city of London, and that's the Draghi connection. But Maloney, you know, it, it, by calling her a fascist, by threatening her, threatening that the EU will cut her off, they're trying to get her to play ball. And then they come out and, and go after Berlusconi as a Putin puppet. You know, Berlusconi was the prime minister of Italy. He's, he's one of the wealthiest men in Italy. Uh, the reason he likes Putin is because he thinks that you can deal, you can have deals with Russia. Yeah. Italy has had a very stable energy relationship with Russia going back to 1962 when Enrico Mattei was the, the head of ENI, the ENI, the Italian National Oil Company. And he was about to sign a major deal with Russia when he had an uh, accidental plane crash, which killed him. So uh, you look at Aldo Moro, who was not a great guy, but who was a prime minister in the 70s who was trying to work out an arrangement with Russia. He got kidnapped by the Red Brigades and murdered. So if you look at Europe, take a look over from 1922 to the present. How many European leaders who were trying to break with the British and after World War II, we're trying to break with the Anglo-Americans, ended up either dead or scandalized. Quite a few. And I think that's what Maloney is seeing in her rearview mirror. Hmm. 
but it's not definitive. You know, you, you, the, here's the situation. Suppose you have 150,000 people show up in the streets of Rome on, I think it's November 7th, they're having a demonstration. Suppose you have a million in Paris at the end of uh, this month. Uh, Macron is squirming like crazy. So the situation in Europe is very unstable. The real question is what will happen with in the midterms and how can the midterms be meaningful? If it's just red versus blue, Democrat versus Republican, forget it. That means nothing. The question is, will there be a change in policy? And that's going to have to come from the outside the political parties. You know, the Republicans sent out a questionnaire that I received yesterday. What's the number one issue on your agenda? And they, had, they give you a list, which includes inflation, the border, parental rights. <clears throat> Nowhere on that list was the danger of nuclear war and Ukraine. Yeah, because it doesn't exist to them. You well, know, to them, it's like a far off thing. To them, it's like, you know what, if it happens, it's no big deal. You know, it's going to be good for the environment. It's going to be great for climate change. <laughs> this is the insanity <laughs> we're living in. I mean, the West is like, what is wrong with the West? Besides being completely divorced from reality, completely divorced from nature, completely divorced from God, completely divorced from 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 any sort of any rudiment of humanity that's left, what the hell is wrong with us? It's like they've, I mean, these these social engineers have done a wonderful job on us, Harley. They really have. Well, they have, and and the the origin of most of this is the idea of uh, the psychological profiling from the Tavistock Institute. But here's a perfect example of that. You take a look at what Kevin McCarthy said. McCarthy came out and made a statement, which I think is true, which is that the Republican base is gravitating against the funding of the war. Uh, it's, it's a mixture of not seeing Russia as an enemy, not seeing Ukraine as a friend, not seeing Ukraine as a vital interest for the American people. So McCarthy said that immediately. The Bush networks jumped on him. Mike Pence jumped on him. There was a gang up on him. And this is where you see the, the way they try to control this, uh, uh, control the debate. And so this is where, you know, I've, I've been saying this quite a bit recently, and some people may be tired of hearing it, but we really have to have other people speaking for the American people than those who are the, the leaders. And I, I'm talking now about local people, people in city councils, people in state government. Interestingly, in Germany, there's a city council in uh, northern Germany, which is not too far from Hamburg. Uh, Stralsund is the name of the place. It used to be a very important place in the 14th and 15th century when the Hanseatic League was the, the big economic unit in northern Germany. They issued a call for a that, that their city be used for a location for Russia-Ukraine talks. And every single party locally, the left, the right, the center, even the Greens, came out and, and said they support this idea. So local politics is trending differently than national, partly because the, the money is, is totally focused on the national. And the national political leaders see themselves as, as a cross between royalty and celebrity. And so the, the, the question that emerges is, will local voices be heard? And 
you know, people who are saying, well, but I'm just one person who listens to me. What difference does it make what I think? Well, if you think that way, it doesn't make a difference. But why would you marginalize yourself like that? Go out and be bold. Talk to people. Challenge them. Make sure you know your facts before you do it. But challenging the status quo is never wrong. Even if you're wrong about something, it's still necessary because otherwise the status quo becomes fat and complacent and they'll, they'll squash you. Very well said. And this is why it's all the more important that people ask questions, people resist what is occurring. Harley, how are things looking in Europe right now as winter is right now just around the corner? Uh, what are some of the things that are happening that you've witnessed yourself? And what are some of the takes that what some of the things that people are doing to fight back, to push back against this mutually assured suicide? Well, I think people are starting to realize that there, there's no individual salvation because a lot of people in my neighborhood were looking to buy wood and they were going to build fireplaces. And first of all, they found out that they can't get permits for that. <clears throat> Secondly, they, the, the construction industry is so backed up and so undermanned, they can't build them. Third, the price for a fireplace went from 10,000 euros to 20,000 euros. And fourth, there's no firewood available. So if someone thought, well, I'm not going to worry about the gas situation or the Nord Stream pipeline or any of these other things because I'm going to build a fireplace, forget it. Individual survival, uh, unless you're really prepared to suffer a lot, is not an answer. The answer lies in activity of a social sort. And what I'm finding I, from talking to, to people, uh, including some parliamentarians, including some uh, local officials, uh, including policemen. I mean, I, I talked to a policeman whose daughter is a classmate of my daughter. And I, I said, what are you planning to do when there's a blackout this winter? And he said, I'm going to be on duty trying to make sure that people don't break into the houses where there's actually heat. Wow. So that's from a, a Berlin policeman. Unbelievable, so, man. This is where it, we are. It, well, it becomes the law of the jungle. And if we get to that point, everybody loses. So while it makes sense to stock up on food, stock up on, on necessities, don't rely on that. You have to have a social shift in thinking away from this neoliberal, neoconservative phony dualism that, that controls the narrative. And this is what a hybrid warfare is about. I, I've been doing a lot of reading on this recently, V. The uh, William Sargent's Battle for the Mind. Uh, Bertrand Russell wrote a lot about this. There's uh, John Rawlings Reese, Brigadier General Frank Kitson. These are British psychological warfare experts who talked about how you can make a population complacent so you can do anything you want. Sick. And this is what we're seeing. And the, the new tools they have in social media and AI and things of that sort, they think they can control things. Now, my view is if things are going to get out of control. The question is, will we have an orderly process of taking down the corrupt networks and putting in place a, a form of economic policy that, that's worked in the past, the American system, physical economy? a credit system that invests in real production. Because if you don't have that, you may have a lot of paper wealth, but un unless you can eat it or burn it for uh, fuel, it's not going to mean anything. 
Hmm. Got you. Yeah, no, Harley, uh, you know, very well said, all points uh, well taken. I wrote down a few notes and, you know, completely agree in terms of the, the, the local level. And it's just unfortunate, Harley, when you look at a national scale, you see the uh, Democrats who have a pure hatred for Russia on the on the on the right. You see a pure hatred for China. Uh, you know, the, it, America, for some reason, at the national political, they always have to have their boogeyman. They always have to have someone to blame, you know, other than their self. We probably don't have time for it today, Harley, but I would love to get your thoughts on is America primed uh, for a convention of states mm. uh, following that suit of following looking at local elections? Is it, is it, is it time for the states uh, to get together, um, Article 5 of the Constitution warrants that here to really change things up in Washington, D.C., Harley. I don't think there's enough time for that. You know, I, I know some people have been working very hard at that for the last 10 years. Uh, if we can get enough people who would be willing to do that, then we could get enough people who would be willing to make the changes in Washington. And changes in Washington... Just take a look at what's happening in the United Kingdom right now. They've savaged Boris Johnson and Liz Truss. Now, they deserved it, but they're not very different from the other people who are in there. The parliamentarians in England are looking over their shoulder because they, they can hear the mobs getting ready to march. So, you know, I think there, there are two points here. One is anger is a useful thing for mobilizing, but it's not effective for making changes. You need love. You need love of your fellow citizens and, and love of the idea that we can create a better future. Because otherwise, if you act out of anger, you're going to get hit back with anger. Look at what they're planning to extend the Patriot Act and to accelerate the provisions. Look at what they're doing to take to, to shut down bank accounts and take money from people. You know, this is where you see the, the fascist nature of the post-industrial elites. They're destroying industry, they're destroying culture, and they're preparing for a, a new, tougher uh, uh, surveillance state and, and a, prison, a prison state. So we're not that far away from that. So it's essential that people come to understand real economics and real economics is not so difficult. It's just that when you hear these imbeciles on MSNBC and the CNBC talking, they, they talk in a, a ideological language, which they know, but which has very little reality in the real world. And people do understand that if you're not producing physical goods at some point, you're going to have inflation. If all you're doing is printing money to bail out bankrupt corporations you're not going to have an economy that will support a population. So certain basic principles have to be reiterated over and over. And once people get them, then it becomes clear that we need credit policy in the hands of the people, not in the hands of the speculators. Okay, well said, Harley. Now, the form that'll work, you know, maybe conventions of the states, maybe... I mean, I get a little nervous when I hear talk about rewriting the Constitution because we have a pretty good Constitution. It's just that people don't understand it or apply it. Right. Very well said. Very good point. Harley, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, folks, you can find them over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the SchillerInstitute.com, SchillerInstitute.com. And with that being said, CJ, take it away. <laughs> 